Real FM, this is Connected episode 417. I'm your host, Federico Viticci, and today's show is brought to you by some truly fine sponsors, Rogue Amoeba, Indeed, and Texas Pander. For this episode of Connected, and for all the episodes of Connected, it is my pleasure to be joined by Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hello, Federico. Hi, how are you? I'm good. What about you? I am doing... Okay, we'll we'll talk about how I'm doing later. In, uh, in, <laughs> we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Yes, your emotional well-being is tied directly to stage manager. Let's say that I'm doing. <laughs> I'm doing. Yeah. And sometimes you just freeze randomly. I am joined by Mr. Mike Hurley. Why, hello there. How are you, Mike? It's been a. I'm good. I'm so excited for the for today's episode. There's some big topics in here, mm-hmm. and I, I think mostly I'm just going to get to sit back and enjoy as you two tell me a bunch of stuff about some things, so I'm looking forward to that. So let's dive right in. We had a big pro show today. Federico, give, give people the elevator pitch for what you talked about on the pro show. What if your phone was not a phone? What, is your fo- what if your phone was <laughs> like a shovel? And what if the apps on your phone were not apps? What if those apps were plants? And your screen was not a screen, but it was a garden. In the pro show for Connected Pro members, which people can sign up for at getconnectedpro.co, we talk about note-taking, digital gardens, and the idea of using different apps for different jobs. If you want to hear what my brain sounds like when I find out what a digital garden is, (laughs) you can sign up at getconnectedpro.co. This is not a phrase I knew until about 20 minutes ago. Mm -hmm. It's a really good pro show today. If you've been on the fence, you've not signed up for get for Connected Pro, uh, give this one a go. You can sign up, try it out, $5 a month, you just pay the $5, you can listen to it. If you think it's not for you, then just don't, then you just get rid of it. But it's good. You get Discord, you get a bunch of stuff, getconnectedpro.com. I have some follow-up on my iPhone 14 Pro. I think I spoke about this on this show last week. I tried that thing where, like, or I have been trying that thing where I turned off the notification previews until Face ID unlocked to kind of help distinguish the difference between always on and not you know so like the always on screen just shows the name of the app and like one new notification or whatever when they pop up i don't think i like it i'm remembering why i turned this feature off before because face id is good right but you kind of have to be in you have to kind of give the phone what it needs for Face ID, right? Like it has to be directly in front of you. It has to actually get the scan. Because I feel like a lot of the time now, I'm seeing that I have a notification. I'm looking at my phone. So I'm like, okay, come on, do your thing. And nothing's happening. And I have to like tap the notification or swipe up again to get Face ID to do its thing. So I'm not sure if this is what I'm looking for. Steven, you said you were going to try this. Did you try this? Yeah, I've been running this way since last week's show, and while I agree with you, it's a bit sometimes frustrating where I just want to look at my phone and see what came in, and I've got to like mm. catch Face ID's attention. Overall, I think I like it more than you do. It's okay. It's kind of nice from a privacy perspective because your phone is just always on, right? This place always just out there for people to see. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna stick with it for a little while longer. I haven't had many situations where it's like an actual problem, but I do notice that little bit of friction, like you said. I have actually just now turned it off because I, okay. I didn't like it. Okay. So that's that's gone. I was listening to the talk show with Neil Patel was the guest. 
And this is something Neil I mentioned in his iPhone 14 Pro review. And hearing him talk about it in more detail with John Gruber, I agree with him that the Dynamic Islands interaction is backwards. Having to long press on the widget, like long press on it to get the widget to pop up, that feels wrong. I've, I, after having used this, I'm in the camp of you should tap it to get, the, get it to expand, long press to open the app. That's where I've come down on. Because all of the good stuff is behind the long press. Mm-hmm. I've definitely come down on the note, like on the the idea that like that is that it's it's the wrong way around. That a tap on the dynamic island should do whatever is happening within the dynamic island, and then a long tap to reopen the app. Because hey, if I want to tap to open an app, I already know how to do that. I just tap on the app icon, right? Like I don't. It doesn't need to be a quick launcher for me. It should be doing whatever it's doing as like the multitasking as its primary thing. And something Neil I was talking a lot about was like in all of the ads, they're showing like the Dynamic Island doing its thing. Like that's what they're promoting. So that should be the primary interaction, not the secondary one. Uh, agree. I thought so when reading the reviews before using the phone and now using the phone, I agree even more. It just it feels backwards. I really hope that they add it. As, a, as an option at least, but we'll see. Uh, I also just wanted to voice a, a grumble with the iPhone 14 camera. Okay. A grumble. Because I'm not like super mad about this, but it's just like, it's frustrating sometimes. The macro lens switchover is happening so much more. It's because they changed the focal length, right? The focal length has changed. So now photos where I just take a picture of something, which is relatively close, but not super close, is changing over to the macro lens all the time. Uh, and you can toggle it off and do the thing and like maybe move the phone and focus and you know it is better now the ultra wide is better and blah 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 blah. so like these macro images are looking better than they ever have etc etc yeah it's just a little bit annoying but i'm happy that i have the toggle if you've not turned that toggle on in settings by the way i thoroughly recommend it this is the thing that we were like on this show especially we were really asking for like, because they didn't have it. Do you remember that they didn't have it for it a while? It would just switch on its own. It's like I got, I got and you had to, to like do a bunch of stuff to get it to stop. So, if you have an iPhone 14 Pro, I recommend enabling that feature. Um, but you know, for quick photos or something, like it's fine. That I don't care what setting it's on. If I'm just like snapping something for later, like I'm taking a picture of something, I need to look at it. Like for example, a Wi-Fi code or whatever. But if I'm I don't always want the macro mode for all uh, for all things. So that's that. I have one more thing. Do you remember my iPhone 13 that was all scratched? Do you remember that? We spoke about this on the show a bunch of times. And Apple refused to replace it under the under my Apple Care. Remember this? I, I do. I do remember it. Mm-hmm. Would you believe, guys, that I dropped my phone, my iPhone 13 Pro and broke the screen? Oh, what a... Could you imagine? Oh, you did? Oh, man. Yeah, I dropped it. I dropped it like four times and it was perfectly fine. <laughs> uh, like I, one of those, like two of those times, I dropped it onto a corner of a piece of furniture and it survived. And I was like, incredible, iPhone 13 Pro, you're doing your job. And then I dropped it onto something metal, which was like so unlucky that I dropped it like five times in a oh, row. Very unlucky. <laughs> and the screen uh, broke way more than I would have necessarily wanted it to. Um, but it broke, and so now I have done an Apple Care Express replacement thing. So they're sending a box to me, and I'm going to put it in the box and send it away. And apparently, it will cost twenty five pounds, which is cheaper than I was expecting. So we'll see what happens there, because I thought it was seventy five. 
but I don't know. I'll let you know how that goes, but just as a long-term piece of follow-up, my iPhone 13 Pro accidentally broke. Hmm. As someone who's never broken a phone, I'm very curious yeah. on how that repair goes for you. Yeah, for sure. You know, I have no, uh, no experience with it. There was it. one of those things where... For some reason, I had forgotten. I don't know why, but like my brain was like, because it broke, and it like it also like the the screen is like completely unresponsive. It like basically put a hole in the screen. This accidental drop, and so like I can't do anything on the phone, which is funny. It's like I can't like erase it because the phone was also off, so I can't put in a code so it won't connect to any wife. Whatever, like I, <laughs> I don't care. It's just it's a silly thing that happened, but. Uh, there was like a part of my brain which forgot that like the glass and the screen are one thing that you don't just replace the glass you replace the entire thing and the glass has a screen attached to it i don't know why my brain couldn't work that out but it was silly of me really silly to drop it you know i'm sorry you had an accident it was terrible this show is being recorded on wednesday september 28th that means it's almost the end of the month and we are winding down our fundraiser for St. Jude. September is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month and so every month we talk about the life-saving work of St. Jude, which is a a cancer hospital and research institution that treats kids with cancer without regard to their family's ability to pay. That means treatment, travel, food, lodging. It's all covered by the donations that people make to St. Jude. And as we record this, we have raised this year $540,000 for the kids of St. Jude, which is absolutely spectacular. That's over $2 million in the last four years, which is just simply incredible. The campaign is going to close on Friday, September 30th. Mike and I are going to be hosting the closing ceremonies where we uh, we close down the fundraising. If you have a uh-huh. community fundraiser, which like, Almost 300 people have done. Those will stay open until uh, noon Eastern on Monday. So you have the weekend if you're fundraising on your own to to wrap that up. But uh, just a huge thank you to everyone who has who has given, who has done fundraising themselves, who has talked about this on social media or people in real life. It's been a really awesome month for the Relay FM community to come together around this. Yeah, it's been incredible. Uh, passing that two million dollars raised over the last four years was an incredible thing to have achieved together um and we've raised just a staggering amount of money this year and and we're all so proud and uh, it goes a long way and it does a lot this episode of connected is made possible by rogue amoeba you're hearing my voice right now because i'm using a bunch of rogue amoeba software we'll get to that in a minute but Rogue Amoeba Software is celebrating their 20th anniversary, which is just incredible. Two full decades of making amazing audio apps for the Macintosh. If you're a podcaster, musician, or just someone who listens to audio on their Mac, Rogue Amoeba can make your life better. Whatever you want to do with audio, it's a good bet that they're going to have a tool that can help you. With Audio Hijack, you can record any audio. Loopback gives you extremely powerful audio routing without needing cables or mixers. And SoundSource is the sound control that honestly should have just been built in to macOS. I've used Audio Hijack every podcast I've recorded for like 10 years. It is amazingly powerful. The UI is really cool where you can you can uh, move these blocks around and the signal will flow through them and you can see exactly what it's doing in a really visual way. 
all of Rogue Amoeba's apps look incredible, super well-designed, super easy to use. You know, sound routing stuff you know, it can be complicated, but audio hijack and loopback make it easy to understand what's going on. I seriously could not do my job without their applications. Now look, Rogue Amoeba doesn't run constant gimmicky sales or discounts. They charge fair prices all the time, but in celebration of their anniversary, they're making an exception. For a very limited time, to celebrate their 20 years in business, you could get 20% off any purchase from Rogue Amoeba. There's no coupon code, there's no special URL. Just go to macaudio.com to save 20% on anything they make. This deal is only valid to the end of September, so it's nearly over. You can download free trials and then buy online to receive the discounted price. A big congratulations to Rogue Amoeba on 20 great years. Visit them at macaudio.com now before the offer ends. Our thanks to Rogue Amoeba for their support of the show and Relay FM. Time to get Ultra. Big boy. Big, big orange watch boy. Big, big wrist, big wrist Steven over here. My wrist is 170 millimeters. I don't know if that's big or not. Y'all know your wrist sizes? I've never considered it because I've never had a watch where I needed to measure my for me, it's uh, not something I've had to really consider either. And I had to go find Mary's like fabric tape measure. So it's like super bendy. And one side was inches, the other side was millimeters. Uh, so anyways, I got my Apple Watch Ultra on its launch day, which was last Friday. So I've had it four or five days. And I thought I could walk through some of, the, some of my early impressions and answer any questions y'all may have. I do have lots of questions, so. Okay. <laughs> mm. Let me start with the unboxing. Do y'all remember in the early days of the Apple Watch, like I had like the Series Zero stainless steel. My first Apple Watch was stainless steel. Mm-hmm. Remember the box that those nice watches came in? They were like cube shaped and they're like glossy white plastic. Did that ring a bell to anybody? Yes. Yeah. The additions used to come packaged like that. Okay. So the Ultra doesn't come in a box like that, but it does come in some pretty unique packaging. So my ceramic one came in a plastic box. It wasn't square. It was long, but it, was, it, it wasn't it was the paper boxes. It came in like a special thing. Should have come in a ceramic box. That would be quite expensive. <laughs> so for a while now, the Apple Watch and bands have come separately, and they're just kind of like wrapped together. The Ultra follows suit with that. But the boxes are bigger, and the inside print, instead of like colorful watch bands, mine, I think because I have the Alpine band, had like a rugged mountain scene. And I think the interior printing is different depending on what band you get. But Hmm. really nice box. It comes with this booklet that shows you all the features of the watch. It's like all color printed, like really big images of the watch. It's just a very nice experience. Definitely nicer than uh, I've had on an Apple Watch in a long time. After the unboxing, though, it's kind of funny how straightforward the setup was. Like, it, it, it works like any other Apple Watch, right? It, I said, it, yeah, you know, take my old one, move it to the new one. In the setup process, there was an additional step where you could set what the action button does. Mm. Uh, and that can be changed later in the watch app on iOS. And you have a bunch of different options. You can tie it to a workout. You can have it run a shortcut, which I tried, but... Shortcuts are so slow to execute on watchOS. I kind of gave up on that. And I just have mine set to the flashlight. So I can I can light up the sky with my 2000 nit brightness Apple Watch if I need to. Do you do this a lot? I didn't know what else to... to so let me read you the list, okay? And, and I think you'll see where... All right, all right, all right. Okay, so uh, workout, stopwatch, waypoint, backtrack, dive, 
flashlight, shortcut, and none. Why you said to none? I feel like flashlight was the the most useful. <laughs> Maybe none. None sounds good. And you can you <laughs> you hold and then press. it's a fidget toy. Yeah, it is. You hold and press to do the siren, so you can just click and it does whatever action you tied into it. Oh, the shortcut one would be much more interesting if shortcuts were just faster on the watch, but they are not. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know what I would go with. And it use you can use it in some apps to do things, right? Like, like it it's tied to actions inside of applications too, right? So you can, if you're in the workout app and you press it, it like does a new workout or like splits the workout or something, right? Right? Yes, but I don't think I've seen it in action anywhere else. I think it's just the workouts uh, app right now, and maybe that'll change with time. You, I, I think know. developers can do something, but obviously no one's ready for that. Yeah, and is the developer going to take time to build support for a button that's on one watch? On the app, but yes, right. If this were everywhere, and we can talk about that in a minute, like what will the regular Apple Watch inherit from this watch in the future? The action button would be the top of my list for that. Mm. Obviously, the mm. biggest question here is size. Right, it's a forty-nine millimeter case. It's just one size. There, it does not have the smaller and larger sizes like the regular Series Eight does. It's as big as I could go, I think, again, on my 170 millimeter wrist. You know, watch size, I think, is something that's obviously very subjective. Like, I was talking to a friend of mine last week before I got the Ultra, and, like, he wears an Apple Watch basically only when he runs, and he had just gotten a new watch to wear the rest of, you know, <laughs> the rest of his life, and he actually went smaller than what he had before. So uh, people just have different feelings on this. Um the size works for me, but again, I don't think I could go any bigger. I will say if you're wearing like long sleeves, like today I'm wearing a jacket, like you definitely notice it more than the other watches because of the size. And I think because the edges aren't that sort of uh, rounded shape, right? So like your sleeve doesn't like glide over the crown as easily because it's got the big crown guard and the other side mm. is flat, like... You're just a little bit more aware of its presence. Maybe that will fade like it with would time. Catch on it, like a little bit. A little Is that bit. What you mean? I think it depends okay. on like like these sleeves I'm wearing on this jacket have a little elastic in them, and like I kind of had to like kind of pull it over it. But right, my guess is that that will become more normal with time. Like right now, I'm very aware that it's bigger than my old Apple Watch was. Now. In six months, will I think that? Probably not. Like, my brain will just adjust to this is what the Apple Watch is. But it, there is a little bit yeah. of a curve, I think, in getting used to the size. But I'll say it's mostly about the size. It's not about the weight. I mean, everyone said this in the hands-on of the reviews, and I'll echo it. It is not as heavy as it looks. And I did not, I meant to, and I just ran out of time, but I meant to weigh my old watch with this one, because my old one's also titanium. It feels like it is heavier than my old watch, but not by as much as it should be based on the size. Like, I don't know what they've done there, but you, you look at it or you see pictures of it online, you think, my gosh, like that must be like a boat anchor. It's really not. And I think the titanium goes a long way to that because the titanium is way lighter than the steel Apple watch, even in the same size. And that's one of the benefits of the materials they've chosen. Could, do you think you could wear this with like a collared shirt? I think so. Okay. Uh, it may have to be a little like for, you know, I think you just be aware of getting the, you know, sleeve around it. And if the sleeve like buttons or, you know, if you're wearing like a sports coat or something, I think it would be okay. But I think you would, you, you just be more aware of it than you would any previous watch. 
So I just looked this up. The 45mm stainless steel, the Series 8, is 51.5 grams. The Ultra is 61.3 grams. So it's even heavier than the steel. I guess the size helps it not feel as dense. I don't know. It's a, it's a weird trick they've pulled off here that it doesn't feel as heavy yeah, I, as you think it would. I can't see the titanium. In the, they don't have that information yeah. of the, how much the titanium weighs just on their website. I'm sure we could find it, but yeah, it's heavier than the steel. The design, I, I like the titanium. I liked the titanium Apple Watch before. I had a pick or a risky or no, it was a flexi of like Apple moving to titanium on the side rails of the phone. I still think they should do that. Uh, but the texture, like the finish is really different. The old titanium watches were brushed titanium and you could see without even getting that close to it, you could see the brush marks in it and it looked really nice. This watch, the finish is not dissimilar from the aluminum, like silver aluminum Apple watch where it's kind of that bead blasted smooth look it doesn't look like aluminum, like the color is a little bit warmer, but it is not brushed. It is it's sort of the satin finish that I think actually looks really nice with this design. I think the with the with if they had done the brushed, it would have maybe been a bit too busy. Uh, and so it works for me, the, the sort of flat matte look. You know, it diffuses light. It doesn't really have any strong reflections off of any of the metal. Yeah, I think it's really nice. I think some people have, have wanted it wanted Apple to have a darker version of this. And I think that would be cool in the future. I know nothing about, you know, how you would color titanium. Like, I don't, I don't know if it could be anodized like aluminum is, but at least with the, the raw titanium, if I had to get a big gouge in it, you're not going to see a different color like poking out from underneath. Cause it should be the same finish basically all the way through. And so I can, yep. I can see from a longevity, like roughness perspective, why Apple wouldn't want to do any colors unless the, the metal was colored all the way through. But if they had a dark one in the future, I think a lot of people would dig that. Is it comfortable to wear? Uh, it is for me. I mean, it, it sits squarely on my wrist. You know, the lugs don't overhang the sides of my wrist. I think, again, like it's all about wrist size. Uh, I do tend to wear my watch pretty close to like that bone that's at the end of your wrist, like at your hand, you guys know what I'm talking about? The little bump? Yeah. The bump, little bump, bumpy bone. They call it? The bumpy bone? The bumpy bone. Yeah. Uh, you definitely want it below that. Like if it's on top of that, I think because the size kind of sits up on it in a little bit of a weird way. So you want it to the, to the to like the left of the bumpy bone? Yeah, like the inside, like away from the hand. Vidit and Discord has said like the titanium was 45.1 grams in the Series 7. Okay. So... That's quite a difference. Yeah. 61 grams to 45. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it's that big of a difference. Yeah. Pretty wild. I mean, sure, it's like your brain would tell you it would be bigger. Yeah. Like, would by looking at the mm -hmm. thing. What do you think of the crown guard? I think it's fine. Like, it's kind... I mean, it's definitely like the sore spot on the design. It looks tacked on in a way that I didn't really anticipate. But I've gotten used to it pretty quickly. Um, I mean, I like that the crown is sort of flush with it. Uh, it. It's like the most prominent the side button has ever been, which is funny to me because the side button, like, it's it's had so many jobs over the years. Remember, at first it was like the circle of friends thing. It's weird. Um, but it is. Oh, my God, yeah. Uh, it's fine. You know, it, it definitely makes it a bit more distinctive than the than the standard Apple Watch. Can we talk about the display? Yes, please. 
the thing that I have been struck with the most for the many people I follow online who have gotten one of these, so I was actually quite surprised how many people I'm seeing post their wrist photos with their Apple Watch Ultras. The flat display is the thing that I find to be the most visually attractive about this. To me, I think it's just because it's different. Like, it's visually very different from the old Apple Watches. And I just want to know, like, what do you think? Do you like it? How is it to use it? And also, like, what is that, the, the like, the lip around the edge? Like, how, how does it feel to use? The lip is so minor that if I didn't know it was slightly raised, by feeling it, you can't really tell that it's raised. I mean, it is. The, the glass is not sunken into the metal in any really perceptible way. It's It's very minor. I really like the flat look, though. I mean, obviously, the screen is bigger. I think the flat display makes the screen look even bigger than it would otherwise. And all in all, like it's it's definitely the nicest screen on an Apple Watch. Uh, I like the, um, the, the flatness gives it sort of that modern feel like we've seen on some of Apple's other devices. And it doesn't do the thing that, like, I think the Series 7 in particular, for me, was kind of annoying at. Uh, like the, you get like reflections and like light scattering around the edges of the display where it curved down. And obviously you don't have any of that here because the screen is flat and then it's surrounded by metal. And so it's, it's just a cleaner look. It's less organic looking for sure, but I, uh, I really like it. It's aggressive, the design, I think, but I don't think that's a bad thing. You know, like, especially in like watch design, watches get pretty bold. Yeah. You know, like sharp edges and big and chunky and stuff. Like, I think it works visually. It's, But the using WatchOS on that f- screen, does it feel any any different? Like, really? No. Okay. Uh, WatchOS suffers from this, I think, even worse than iOS and iPadOS do, where it doesn't really do anything to take advantage of the bigger screen. Everything is mostly just scaled up. That's most noticeable, I think, on the watch faces. Like, and we can talk about that separately in a second. But like, the modular watch face that I used on my Series Seven, like, I don't get any extra stuff with it on the new watch. Everything's just a little bit bigger. The space between everything's a little bit bigger. I don't think it looks bad. Like, I don't think it looks comical. Like, like say the way the uh, <laughs> the way uh, the home screen grid looks on the iPad Mini. Right? It's like so bad and so awkward. I don't think there's anything that stands out there in a hugely negative sense, but I do wonder if Apple can get away with watchOS basically just scaling forever, or will there be at some point something different they do with this larger screen? You know, I get that it's the first one. I get also that watchOS 9 has to support a pretty wide range of screen sizes and Mm. So just scaling it up and down is probably the easiest thing for them and their developers, but it definitely leaves a little bit to be desired. Like you have this nice big screen and you can basically see the same amount of stuff as you do on a uh, on a smaller watch. Yeah, it kind of, we'll talk about watchOS in a minute, but it kind of feels like watchOS 9 in general has had some redesign work done to it to like take advantage of screen space. Mm-hmm which I think they maybe did that for 
the Ultra, but the other watches get it too, so it kind of doesn't really feel like you have any particular benefit. Right. I guess. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, for sure. And, I mean, yeah, if you're reading a text message, I guess you can see some more lines of text. I haven't actually compared it directly to my Series 7, but in using it, it feels very much like the same experience, just everything's a little bit bigger, a little bit more spaced out. You mentioned watch faces. Yeah. What one are you using? So right now, I've just brought my modular face over from the Series 7. There is a face that's specific to this watch called Wayfinder. Yeah, it looks cool. It does look cool, uh, and you can adjust it where it works a little bit better in always-on mode. And, of course, it has the deal where you rotate the crown, and it's all red, so it like, protects your night vision if you're out stargazing or something. Uh, I have a lot of questions why other Apple Watch faces didn't get that. Like, Couldn't they just do that without updating all the other watch faces like just apply some sort of filter to it i don't know it's weird that's not there my problem with wayfinder is my problem basically with a lot of apple's watch faces where i don't really care for the curved uh complication type because a lot of things just don't do well curve like carrot weather's got a bunch of complications and i think it works pretty well i can have like a little graph of high and low to do is i get a little bar you know showing how many things i have back but then if I want to see calendar events, like they got to basically be one word long or they get truncated. And that's true for a bunch of Apple Watch faces where the complications are around the outside. And I've kind of just given up on getting one of those really the way that I like it. And I like having, you know, my computer watch be a little bit more computery. So I think modular is going to be going to be it. I mean, it feels like you could just complain about watch OS uh, watch faces forever, right? Yeah. Like- it's like a constant thing. Have you, like that night vision red mode thing on the Wayfinder, do you have any particular thought? Like, is it like good? I mean, it, like, it's cool, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. My bigger question is like, why didn't they do it everywhere? Like if it's this really important feature. Yeah. Well, I mean, clearly you're just not doing enough extreme things. So I know. if you did more extreme things, you would Wayfind. And if you were Wayfinding, you could more extremely look at it in the dark. It's true. Uh, you got a band too, though, right? Which band did you get? I got the orange Alpine band, which is the That's one right. with the loops on the outside and has a titanium like kind of S hook. Actually, it looks like a six now that I'm looking at it. And the hook is all on the outside. Uh, it's awesome. The band's really comfortable. It's really lightweight. It's easy to find because like the little loops are pretty close to each other. So it's easy to find one that fits well for you. But it's definitely a little... It's easy to put on. It's not the easiest watch band to put on. Um, but you don't... But it, it makes sense, though, because it's meant to stay on, right? Like, that's... I feel like these bands are a little different to the other ones. I feel like... Mm-hmm. No, this is purpose. Like, this one is, like, meant to hold on when you're climbing up a mountain. Right. Like, that's what it's for. Yeah, I don't... I can't really imagine what I would be doing where this watch band accidentally comes undone. Right, mm-hmm. like I think it would take my arm with it before mm-hmm. before the the band came yeah. undone. I do have the black and gray trail loop, which is like basically like the um, sports, like the Velcro one. I got one of those on order because like the downside of this band is, and I, I mean I like orange, I like bright orange, but it's really noticeable. I'd like to have something that tones it down a little bit, but that doesn't ship until November, so uh, I just have this for a, a while. Um, but it looks great, and it is, once you kind of get the hang of how to put it on, you can do it relatively quickly. It just took me a couple of days to, like, work out, okay, what little spot do I want to put it in, and how do I 
how do I manage it? Um, it's, and it's comfortable. Like it's, it's basically everything that touches you is, is sort of, it's not, it's not canvas, but it's kind of like a, like a, a, a rid, uh, like a ridged material. I don't know. It's hard to, it's very different from any other watch band I've had from Apple. I'll say that. And it definitely completes the look. And I think it's one reason uh, I should have said this at the beginning. This is the first time in a long time that someone has come up to me and said, Oh, is that the new one? Like referencing an Apple product in my possession. Uh, I mean, I think the last time was like the iPhone 10 maybe. And I think the bright orange band honestly has more to do with it than the size. And, uh, I mean the whole thing screams different, right? Yeah. Like it's very visually different. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. Like to me, like when I seen it, considering that it does share so many things with the other watches from like a design language, it is surprising just how different a product it looks. Does that make sense? I mean, you tell me, does that make sense what I said based on your experience? Yeah, I, I think so. And I think with orange kind of being like the product, like if anyone's seen a photo of this, just like float by on Facebook, it was probably the one with the orange band, right? It's the, the image Apple's using. And so, yeah, again, it, it definitely just draws more attention to it. And uh, I think that's kind of funny. Like it's just been a while since I've had that happen, uh, especially repeatedly like on like over the weekend so i got it friday afternoon i wore it saturday to a football game sunday to church sunday to some family stuff and like and and even like last night i saw some people and they're like oh is that is that the new one like like yep yep it is and uh, i think the orange and the like the bold orange is probably what gives it away at least from across the room and uh, uh. i really like this band but I, i'm also looking forward to kind of dressing it down a little bit with the uh the black gray trail loop. Uh, now I have not tried the ocean water band, which at least in the yellow looks like a bunch of like noodles stuck together. <laughs> I thought, yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird one. Yeah, I do. It's, the colors are good. Like the yellow is the nice. yellow is nice. Uh, I think the white looks pretty sharp. Don't know about yellow and orange though. Yeah. That feels not good. Like the orange is always there. I think the white looks pretty sharp. Uh, those you can actually, at least here, you can get them next day. So I may end up picking one of those up to try. I like to. I would like to compare the three of them at some point. Uh, but again, it's not till November when the trail loop shows up. And so maybe maybe later in the year I can I can review the three of them side by side. Right. I did try a standard you know large Apple Watch band on it, and it it works like it clips in. And it's fine. But it definitely looks a little too narrow for my taste. You could do it. Like, say that I wanted to wear this someplace nice before the darker band shows up. Like, I, I would put a dark band on it, and it would be fine. The other way around, I think, I think works about this about as well. Like, you can put this band on a Series 7. Like, it's fine. It's it just, it's a little bit, it's a little bit weird. I mean, there are a bunch of bands that don't have metallic lugs. Mm-hmm. And you can use all those, like the all the the loops. Yeah, yeah. Don't have metallic. The the magnetic one, which I love. I recommend that to anyone. By the way, if you want a nice looking, well functional watch band, the magnetic loop is your friend. Yeah. Then you can wear all those, right? And but yeah, I know what you mean. That it would be it strange. It's like I thought about like, do I want any of these? But now like, no, I'm not going to put the silver lugs on my gold watch. That's just weird. More power to you if you do it, but that's not my yeah thing. Yeah, the the lug mismatch 
I don't like mismatched metals. I don't mind if like the lug is blue or black, you know, that plasticky, whatever material Apple uses. I agree with you. I think I think metal mismatch on the lugs is a, is a deal breaker for me. You know, I saw some people yeah. trying it on their steel bands, which I think Apple still sells. I've I've actually never seen one of those in person, I don't think, or at least I've never like handled one. That kind of works. Like it'd be kind of cool if Apple had a titanium version of that that matched, but they seem to have basically basically forgotten that that band exists. Do you sleep track? I do. Could you sleep with this on? <laughs> you definitely notice the size. Like it's. <laughs> I can't worry about you moving your arm and just like give Mary like she big she made that exact joke. She's like, keep that thing away from me. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not as comfortable to sleep in as the smaller like the Series Seven. What I've considered doing is I cannot believe I'm going to say this. Day watch night watch. Day watch night watch. Day watch night watch. The Series Seven I have on like the Velcro fabricy band. It's really comfortable. Uh huh. It's obviously smaller. Like it also is rounded off. Like it doesn't have the weird protrusion on the side. So I don't know. Like it's um. I haven't gone through with that yet, but I think that's where I may end up. Like, look, we haven't talked about like the battery life on this watch is oh yeah wild. So yesterday, I I was up early yesterday, put the watch on first thing, uh, worked all day, like you know, in the office, around the house, etc. Yesterday afternoon, I'm pulling it up in fitness. I went for a two point seven seven mile walk. So I walked for just under an hour, Mm -hmm. came home, had dinner, was going to bed. We were going to bed. Mary's watch, which is the small Series 7, hit low power mode, you know, like the 10% thing, because she had worked out for about half an hour that morning and was in school all day. And I swiped mine up and Control Center said I had 74% battery life remaining. (laughs) Oh, my God. It doesn't make any sense relative to what we know about Apple Watch batteries. Like it, it's just, man, it's, it's really, really funny. That's monster. Yeah. So like I could sleep in it and I think I'd get like two or three days pretty easily. If we were going away for a weekend, like if we were going camping, I wouldn't even bring an Apple watch charger. Like it would be fine. Especially when they bring out that, like that wild yeah. uh, thing that it does. Right. And it says they it should triple the battery life. So there was actually some information from this. It was either in MKBHD or I just need to review because Apple didn't really give any information, but I think I heard it there. Like, so battery optimization coming later this year. And basically what it does is it's, it's pinging GPS and the heart rate sensors less often in doing that. It should triple the battery life and should get you around 60 hours of battery life. <laughs> See what I mean? Like, which is there's no reference to like this battery life in other Apple watches. It's so far beyond. Yeah. And so if I sleeping with like the Series Seven on would really just be about the comfort level, not about yeah. anything else. And um, that's probably what I'll end up doing because you know trade in on Apple watches is bad, and selling them like you know you can do it, but you're also gonna take a bath and it's titanium, like it's a nice watch. Uh, I probably would just hold on to it for for sleep tracking purposes, but it's... Well, also, yeah. like, you might not want to wear the Ultra if you're going for a nice meal. Sure, yeah. Right? But I'm also one that I won't... Like, if, if Mary and I were going out, like, I, I probably would wear a traditional watch anyways. Or a real watch, yeah. 
uh, like my calculator watch. Like a gentleman. <laughs> but it's... Like Casio calculator. <laughs> like yeah, a real gentleman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let me open the door for you and calculate our tip on my wrist. All right, so I have two final questions. Okay. You, if you want to say more, you can, but these are my t- two last questions. And it's like, I'll ask both of them at the same time. Are you going to keep it? Why are you going to keep it? I am keeping it because despite some of the weirdness around the size and like I'm basically committing to new bands, even though I don't have to commit to new bands, uh, I really like it. I like the size. Mm. I like the, I mean, look, I am squarely in the like crosshairs of Apple's marketing for this thing. We're like, yeah, like I work out and I do outdoor activities but I'm not like an ultra marathoner where this watch doesn't really meet my needs, right? Like a lot of the, what this watch can do is totally aspirational for my level of fitness and activity. But I like sort of the lifestyle side of it, right? I like kind of what the watch says. And the size works for me. Like if this had been too big, I would I was not going to force the issue because I didn't want to wear a watch that was like hanging over my wrist and like banging into things. And I, again, I, I think I'm just just within the parameters for the size if this watch were 51 millimeters or 52 millimeters i don't think i could pull it off but i feel like the size works for me i like the features and i like the way it looks and so for me uh it will be it'll be sticking around even if i never use it to you know hike across scotland or whatever underscore is doing this week i i can't wait for him to talk about that he told me he was gonna write it up but like yeah I can't wait to hear about his experience. Maybe we should get him on the show. Maybe we could ask him. Maybe, maybe we could do that. Him. Underscore, maybe. underscore. Join us on the show. There, he's been asked. <laughs> there you go. That, wonderful. That's how we do all of our business. I Remember I said I wanted to go try one on. I wanted to go to the Apple Store, try it on. I've decided not to do that. Because you don't want to be tempted? I'm worried I'm going to buy one. Yeah. So I'm not going to, I'm not looking. I'm not, I refuse to look. Adina tried one on. I sent Stephen yeah. a picture and it's one of the most ridiculous things you've it, ever seen. It's like, it's like somebody put a watch on a twig. It looks hilarious. It's like if I put a dinner plate on my wrist, right? Like Adina is so petite and this watch, I mean, it was, I, I, I seriously laughed out loud and like, it's so funny and not making fun of Adina. Like I, I love Adina to death. But this is so not the product for her. She's five two. She's like yes. And she she was buying a Series Eight, so which she did, and, and we've been setting up, and she's pretty excited about that. Which one did she get? Uh, Starlight. Okay. Because quote silver, it's less boring than silver. Yeah. What's <laughs> the? Which is true. I mean, she's completely correct. Yeah, I got. Uh, she went with the Starlight. <laughs> Mary's seven is Starlight. Because I don't think they. I don't think they did like the regular silver in the Series Seven, and. You can't tell the difference unless it's side by side with a silver watch. And even then you're like, maybe. I mean, it's very, yeah, it's very subtle. Yeah. I'm going to find that image that she sent me and put it in the show notes. It's it's, hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. And it's worth, it's definitely worth people seeing because, you know, it gives you the idea of like, if you're, if you're like slim five, two, like tiny person, this probably is not going to work for you. I mean, I, I don't know. You make your own decision, but I don't think it... Probably it, not. It I need to get married good. to try it on. I think yeah. it'd be a similar effect. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this watch is an outlier, right? Because of the size, because of the look. It means that it's just... Some people just aren't going to be able to wear it. And, yeah. and if you're someone who wears an Apple Watch in a lot of different contexts, this may not work, right? So if you go into an office day every day in a suit and tie or like, a, you know, a nice blouse or something, like this doesn't dress up as easily 
as some of the other Apple watches. Now, that may not be a deal breaker for you. For other people, it's a big deal. Like there's just there's more decisions that go into this watch than I feel like there's ever been with the Apple Watch before. And I think if you are interested in it and you can get your hands on one in a store or something like that, I think it's worth trying it on first because it, 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 I mean, unless you're just like, just, you got, you know, big beefy wrists, like, you, you know, you like big watches and like, yeah, go for it. But if you have any doubt in your mind and it's easy to get your hands on one, I think it's worth trying that because it is surprisingly different from any other Apple watch we've had. And, you know, we've had what, two size increases over the years, but there's way more ground (laughs) <laughs> you know, uh, way more space between this and the other Apple watches than all the other Apple watches combined. And I think that's cool. Like I- I'm glad Apple's diversified the line and I'm glad like what they did works for me. I think it's, I think it's really cool. I really enjoy it, but it does mean that they're, that they've built a product that's not for everybody in a way that we haven't really seen with the Apple Watch. I mean, there are people who don't like the Apple Watch, and there's people who, you know... Uh, there are people that the big one is already not... Like, the, the what used to be the big one was already not for them because it was too big. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And everybody has their own taste, right? Yeah. You could be a tiny five-foot-two person and want this and wear it and yeah. like it, and that works for you. But, you know, like, you kind of roll your own adventure on that one. Uh, but I think one of the things about this watch is, like... It, as compared to other watches that exist in the world of this size, is like the Apple Watch, the bands kind of really come out at the sides mm-hmm. and it, it makes the whole thing look bigger. Yeah. Which is just the way they design it. But like standard watches don't do that, right? They like, they come down from the lug way more. And maybe actually now Apple probably have some bands that might work like this. Or maybe you could get a third-party band that the lugs are more detached and it kind of like has a different profile. But it makes the overall thing look so much larger. I will say with the Alpine band, at least, I don't think this is true for the Ocean Water one, but the Alpine band, at least, the fabric loops are can go in any direction. Yep. And so for me, yeah, the lugs stick out a little bit, but then the band basically goes straight down. I think one of the things that makes the image which I've put in the Discord is the show notes of Adina wearing it. She's wearing the ocean band, which is definitely, I think, the chunkiest of all of them, right? I think if I try the ocean band, it may not work for that reason. But yeah. uh, I guess we'll yeah. I guess we'll see. So yeah, it's just it's just that there these factors that go into deciding if the ultra is right for you. I mean, there's also like price and these other things, right? But if if mm-hmm. you were someone who bought you know, uh, a stainless steel or ceramic watch, or you're somebody who updates their watch every three years and you're looking at this one. Like, I think there's also a longevity angle to this watch, not necessarily because it's more rugged or extreme, but like just the battery capacity alone means this watch could perform really well for years to come as the battery degrades, right? Because you're starting with so much more battery life than anything else we've ever had in the Apple Watch. And so those are all factors with this. And for me, it totally works, but I think for a lot of people, it may not, and that's that's fine. And on the price, I, I am still surprised about the price. So, like, me too. You know, the if you want to get a silver stainless steel with a sport loop, the forty-five millimeter is seven hundred and forty-nine dollars. Yeah, this is seven hundred ninety-nine dollars. So, like, I kind of can't believe that it's only fifty dollars more 
by and large, than a like regular stainless steel one. It's not that much of a jump. Mm-mm. So, if you're in the market for an Apple Watch, this is definitely in the conversation now, right? Like, and you know, let, that's not fitness shame, right? Like, you don't have to climb a mountain no. to wear this watch. No. Like, if you just want it, get it. But maybe it'll be big on you. Maybe it's still going to be orange, though, which is the best part. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Indeed. When you're hiring, you're supposed to leave no stone unturned. But how do you actually do that? Well, it's easy. You partner with one powerful stone turner. You need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. You don't have to spend hours on multiple sites looking for candidates with the right skills. Do it all with Indeed instead. You can find top talent quickly with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. And if you hate waiting, Indeed's U.S. data shows that over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. And hiring all in one place is made really easy with features like virtual interviews. After Indeed's virtual interviews, most employers say that it saved them days of hiring time, according to Indeed Data US. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide who use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Indeed knows that when you're growing your business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why when you sponsor a job, you only pay for the quality applications from resumes in their database matching your job description. So visit Indeed.com slash connected to start hiring now. That's I-N-D-E-E-D, Indeed.com slash connected. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing is not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thanks to Indeed for the support of the show and Relay FM. I wanted to take a moment to talk about WatchOS 9. Okay. I had some thoughts on it that I wanted to share and maybe, you know, kind of fits in with all of this. So I mentioned, like, one of the things I'd noticed is they've they've definitely done something to... Oh, by the way, go read Alex Guyot's, uh review on Mac Stories. It's fantastic. It's very good. Helps me with understanding all the things that I can do. Mm-hmm. So, like, I have noticed that there are definitely places in WatchOS 9 where they're optimizing for screen space a bit better like the banner notifications are one of these right like yeah if you if you're using the watch if the watch is active notifications now appear as a banner rather than taking up the entire screen which i definitely prefer yeah i think that's pretty nice it guy ran the watch os beta for the first time ever this summer in the beginning of the summer i wasn't so sure about the banner notifications but I've come to really like them because if you're setting up a workout or you're reading a text message or you're doing something with the watch, the the old notification style was basically modal, right? It would take over the whole watch and you couldn't do anything until you dismissed it or the animation went away. And now it's just like the iPhone or like the Mac where you can be working, be doing something, see it come in, you can go contend with it or you can just let it go and it'll be a notification center when you come back. So I've really come around... Uh, around on this feature a lot more than I was earlier in the summer. The same as like the kind of varied sizing now in in Notification Center. I feel like they're doing a better job of like stretching and, and shrinking the notifications. I think it looks cleaner. 
Um, except, uh, you know, like in, when you see the notifications pop up, I think they look better than they did before, like just the overall look of them when you do get them full screen. Except some apps, they look incredibly janky. I don't know why. Yeah. Like the the text is all wrong. It's like all wrong. And I don't. The, the to doest one, the text is like trying to escape the notification UI on mm-hmm. the left side. It's bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> really strange. Uh, I was really excited for the Metropolitan Watch Face. Yeah, tell me about that because I, I I spend a little time with it, but I definitely want to hear your thinking on it. It's just a visual style that I enjoy. Like I own a Metropolitan style watch, like uh, Nomos watch, and and like I just like the way it looks, like the visuals of it. I always end up in this situation with the colors of the watch faces. I don't like when the color dramatically changes from the always-on mode to the active mode, right? So if you have, like, a white watch face, it goes dark, like, really dark when you when it goes into always-on. And I find that to be really annoying to see that transition occur. So I tend to run watch faces where I can have them be dark. So I have, like... On the, the metropolitan face, I'm using like um, the color is just the gray color because when it goes into the always on mode, it's then kind of still just a darker gray, basically. Uh, but it does some stuff that I don't like. I don't like that it removes the numbers and it and it also goes a little too dark. It like darkens the complications a little too much. And I was wondering how that was going to be for me for a bit like uh, if it was going to be annoying but i've kind of come around on that because i really like this face it has one of the weirdest features of any apple watch face where if you activate it and you scroll the digital crown the numbers change shape like they get larger or smaller and like the font changes it's very strange but it's the thing that you can do yeah because like the california watch face it has different styles for this for the time but you change it in the edit, like you just scrolling digital crown doesn't change it. I just want more consistency across the the way these watch faces work, like the Wayfinder one. Like why? But you can in the editing mode, you can also make customizations like the California, so you can choose how many numbers do you want to show mm-hmm. up. So that's the same. But do you remember the one that they made for the Apple Watch Series Five? I think where it looked like the time was melting off the sides. Oh yeah. Yeah. When you turn the digital crown with that one, it moves. So they've done this a couple of other times. It's a strange thing, but it's kind of fun to play with. Do you remember the feature, maybe Federico remembers what it was called, where you would rotate the crown and the time would move? Time travel. Time travel. Worst feature. That feature sucks. Yeah, because you sucked so bad. You hit your digital crown accidentally in your jacket, and then you're late to a meeting because you think it's 3 p.m. and really it's 4.30. Like, it's so strange. I I understood what they were going for, but it was a bad idea. Mm -hmm. I like the medication app a lot. So I was using the medication feature on my iPhone but it's way better on the watch because it has like the, the app is there and you can also just like say, hey, I took my meds from the watch notification. Yep. Um, I really like it. So that's really good. Low power mode, very good to have. It came in handy when I was coming home from America. Like my watch was getting down and I could put it into low power mode and I still get activity stuff that way because previously you do it in that power saving mode or whatever and it was basically like your watch didn't work. Mm-hmm. talking about watch not working i don't like the new interaction with the sleep focus mode 
where you have to hold down the digital crown to get to the watch. Yeah. Uh, that really annoys me. I don't like it that. It used to be that you spun it, right, to get out of... Yeah. Yeah, that's a bit weird to me. Maybe they had feedback that people's watches were coming out of sleep mode. It's like, I would think it'd be easier to accidentally turn the crown in your sleep, like dragging your arm across the pillow or something, but... I don't know if it used to lock me out like this maybe with it the sleep mode. Uh, but yeah, that, that You're that's thinking a weird of change. the water thing, because they changed that too. Maybe I am. But with sleep mode, it used to just do what it does now. It, like, it turns the always on off. But then if you want to use the watch, you have to hold down the crown i find that really annoying mm-hmm. i i i don't need it i don't need that feature and i don't like that they're making me do it the last thing that i really love really love about watch os 9 is the keyboard when you're replying to messages now has suggestions for words that you can tap like quick type where before you had to tap the word and scroll the digital ground to change the word which was terrible but now you can it's better optimized for the things which i i actually more than i thought i would do i reply to messages using the swipe typing on my watch i didn't even mention that on the ultra on the ultra you can just totally just type with your index finger <laughs> like it's so big yeah there's a ton of space yeah yeah, yeah. Right. it's it's that feature like man it was built with this the big ultra in mind for sure so that's my thoughts on watch os 9 let's welcome federico vitigi back to connected hello federico uh, hello. I want to explain what just happened to me because, like, I'm honestly like shaking right now. Um, and there's a tech angle to this. So as I awesome as I was recording the show, I just watched my beach house being broken into by a guy mm-hmm. via my security camera. Like I got the alert and I just watched it. What security camera do you have? I have a Logi Circle 2 outside. Mm. Like initially I like panicked. Yeah, of co- I mean of course. <laughs> I was like I I thought I was like having like a hallucinations like am I hallucinating this? Yeah. And I realized this this is happening for real. And I, I texted you guys quickly and then I got up and I just spent the past 30, 35 minutes mm-hmm. first on the phone with my mom because obviously I'm in Rome and she's closer to the beach house than I am. Right. But then my mom immediately called the police and the police told her, stay where you are. Don't go there. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, geez. And also, you know, it's, 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 it's dark now even. Like it's mm. well past, mm. you know, 8 p.m. And I sent the... The police called me and... I just had to describe this guy on the phone to the police. Like, can you give us like, can you tell us what he looks like? And it's been it, it's been so weird to do this like as you like to watch a person break into your house yeah. and describe to a police officer on the phone what you were seeing and the details. Like, what does he look like? Um, and then they asked me to send them the videos on WhatsApp. They gave me a phone number and <laughs> the police officer told me, can you quickly please send me these videos on WhatsApp? Uh, because we have two, we have two cars uh, with officers outside your home right now. Whoa. 
and and it's been carbon yeri baby yes. they get it done yeah and and it's been so i don't know i'm i'm shaking right now guys i'm I not just, surprised it's a weird it's a very horrible thing the tech angle is that homekit secure video worked exceptionally well <laughs> i got the alert and it told me there's a person in your home i opened the home app and i selected the portions of the video tracks that i wanted to export and i just saved them as mp4 files in the files app and then also yep. in photos because it was easier to send them to my mom and to the police and it was super easy but yeah like my hope is that, like, I, it's been so weird. Like, I just watched this guy jump over the gate and go through my stuff with another guy outside, you know, just covering him, I guess. It's, I don't know, it, it's it's the uh, first time in my life that this happened to me. And, you know, it's not fun, but at least, you know, yay passed me for installing... A security camera and also this is so weird it's one of those coincidences it's so weird last week sylvia and i were there hmm. and and we were like should we take the security camera now that we're not at the beach anymore like is there even a reason to keep it now nobody's here oh because you're kind of locked down for the season now right yeah like, we're we're not going like there we're not going yeah. there until next spring and we're like should we grab it and i was like yeah i don't know for now let's leave it and i i had actually unplugged the apple tv thinking i'm gonna take this one but then i realized no well if i'm leaving the camera it needs a home kit hub <laughs> so before i left i plugged it back in and i Good. ran the software update to tvos 16 to make sure that everything was up to date on the apple tv serving as the home kit hub and now as a turn of fate it was actually useful because of this Jeez, I don't know. I'm very sorry this happened to you. Mm -hmm. This is a terrible thing. Federica was texting me and Stephen. We were like, so we were aware that it was happening as it was going down. Did he? Did it look like he got away with anything? Yeah, and, and like this is so, this is so odd. But I actually don't think they stole anything of value hopefully yeah. so i don't think they were able to break in we have a pretty heavy uh like door like d front door made of metal uh, it's one of those really old but sturdy metal doors mm -hmm. uh but outside that's where we have the <laughs> and i know i'm like i'm i know that it's a serious situation but i can't help but laugh about this stuff I yeah. think the guy stole the barbecue stuff. No! <laughs> I mean, to I, be, I know what you mean. Like, it's a horrible thing. But you can laugh about it if, like, it just feels like he just took a few things that aren't really that important. I think right? this idiot stole my barbecue stuff. Like, I, I'm pretty sure that from the video he stole, like, the axe that I used to, to grab wood to, you know... Have a light Maybe of fire? he has some friends over and he can't light the barbecue. Could be. He stole, he stole my barbecue stuff. But like, it's a, I don't know, like I'm, I'm calming down a bit now. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, like, thank God we, we, we took the things of value last week. Oh, gosh. But yeah, this idiot, this idiot stole 
I, I mean, at least I hope you only stole my barbecue stuff. Yeah. But I, I, what, what else do I keep outside? There's nothing of value outside. It, and he didn't even see, see these idiots, they didn't even see my camera because I got a very good look at the guy. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing, right? For, for a crime like this, this guy is a chancer. He's not like, you know what I mean? He's not like a master criminal. He's not a rocket like, scientist. I watched him climb that fence, Federico. He's not, you know what I mean? He's, he's, not, <laughs> he's not smart. Like these people, they just... You're not a pro. You know, he's he's just seen an opportunity and he's yeah. jumped in and tried to grab because he, he's obviously so stupid that his face is completely visible. <laughs> yes. He just walks towards the camera. Yes, Moron. yes, yes. Um, and and um, he stole my toolbox. It seems I'm taking a look at the video again. He stole my toolbox, my axe. Wow. Okay, I guess he, he needed some tools. I suppose it was like we're out of mm. tools. So just, let's go steal yeah. some. He's building something. What else? He did it. He, yeah. See, this is this is the gross thing about this. Seeing a random guy go through your stuff, like yeah, even if you feeling. didn't take anything of, like, if it feels weird and gross, it's a violation. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I feel violated. Yeah. Yes, that's yeah. that's exactly what it feels like. I kind of feel like I just want to go there and throw everything in the trash right now. <laughs> this is gross. Look at this idiot. Look at him go. It even looks at the camera at one point. Yeah. He's like, oh, look at that. That's the moment, like, you know, it's like the anime to be continued moment when he looks at the camera. <laughs> He's like, uh-oh. <laughs> Look at this You know, th- this presents a unique opportunity to us. Okay. To pivot connected into a true crime podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if they find him, we'll have an updated episode. Talk about his sentencing etc etc we could we could like do this like from relay fm a story of a stolen tools and then then like federico federico give me a quote now just like say something anything i don't know what they stole but i can tell you for sure they grabbed my axe You say like this is how we like that's how you build that's yeah. how you build the stuff yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. crime story like, like a know? very serial like style yeah. like um, yeah he, he thought he was just jumping a fence but instead he jumped into a wider story the the guy had no idea he would end up on an international <laughs> podcast about Apple stuff <laughs> like that's the thing about it like this let's jerk, get Interpol like, on this he's just created an uh, he's just committed an international crime now see like of all this so. Uh, uh, through the history of the prompt and then connected, we've done our and discussed our fair share of weird things and topics, right? And we've said some silly, some silly things, some more serious things. We've seen the spectrum of the topics we we can cover. I never thought I would end up watching my house being broken into and talk about it on the show as it was happening. As it was happening. That's the thing that, that kills me is we record two hours a week. <laughs> like this would have been, this would have been strange no matter what time of day you sent us these videos, right? Like yes. very upsetting, yeah. like all of that. But for it to happen on the show, it's just the universe telling us that, you know, it's time to pivot the company. Well, it's just like, I'm asking Steven, you know, did you watch Bad Fit? And Federico's sending me yeah. messages yeah. of a person yeah. breaking into his house. I will say, what what you know, 
this is what you get. Like, what other tech podcast has had a yeah. live housebreaking? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, Federico, you have to go back and listen to see what I think about the Apple Watch Ultra, though. I will do that. I will do that. You can provide follow up next week. Okay. I think that we have now set the stage emotionally uh, <laughs> to talk a bit about stage manager. You got me right where I need to be right now. <laughs> yes. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Text Expander. When you work in a small team, every moment counts. You don't want to be wasting your time finding video conferencing details to send to a new client or tracking down the same FAQs from the company's website over and over. These things should be at your fingertips so you can get your work done faster. That's why you need Text Expander. With Text Expander, you can access what you type the most with just a few keystrokes. This allows you to work faster and eliminate repetition, letting you focus on what matters most to you. Text Expander's powerful shortcuts and abbreviations streamline your team's work. All you have to do is type a short abbreviation and Text Expander does the rest for you. You can build and collect your most commonly used phrases, messages, URLs, and more right within Text Expander. Create your chosen abbreviation and they'll be with you wherever you type. You can even customize the snippets by having them automatically add in dates, fill in the blank fields, timestamps, and more. This makes sure that you still keep the personality in the communications that you send. Text Expander is available on any device you use across any app you use on Mac, Windows, Chrome, and iOS. I do a ton of stuff in Text Expander. Something I use really often is when we pay people, I've got a form to fill out, and I've got to put in like the entity I'm paying. And it has to be exactly correct, or the bank, you know, freaks out and the money comes back and we get charged and all that stuff. And I got tired of errors. And so I have a text expander now that I type out the snippet. I get a little drop-down menu. I get to pick from the list. It's all pre-formatted correctly. I click on the list, and it automatically fills the field for me. That has solved so many errors in our payment system, I can't even tell you. I couldn't do my, my work as efficiently without text expander. If repetitive typing is getting you down, you need text expander. Go to textexpander.com slash connected and you get 20% off your first year. That's textexpander.com slash connected to say goodbye to repetitive typing. Our thanks to Text Expander for their support of the show and Relay FM. So yesterday, Apple gave a statement to Engadget. I will now read that statement. We introduced Stage Manager as a whole new way to multitask with overlapping resizable windows on both the iPad display and a separate external display with the ability to run up to eight live apps on screen at once. Delivering this multi-display support is only possible with the full power of M1-based iPads. Customers of iPad Pro 3rd and 4th generation have expressed strong interest, that's one way to put it, in being able to experience Stage Manager on their iPads. In response, our team have worked hard to find a way to deliver a single-screen version for these systems with support for up to four live apps on the iPad screen at once. External display support for Stage Manager on M1 iPads will be available in a software update later this year. Apple also delayed... Uh, oh, yeah, sorry. The external display support is delayed, yeah. And then everything else is coming out whenever it comes out, 16.1. Yeah, so it, it is a little confusing. So the 2018-2020 iPads, no external display support for Stage Manager ever. The M1 is still getting it, but not anytime soon. And Federico, my question for you is, 
Does getting rid of the external display support for now, does that fix stage manager? Was, was that the core of the problem? It was one of the uh, crashiest parts of it, but it doesn't fix the problem, unfortunately. I was hoping yesterday that it would fix the problem. So almost like, uh, you know, cutting off a rotten limb. Um, I'm sorry for the green metaphor. Um, but You're in a mood, you know what I'm I mean? A, what I'm in a mood right you. now. Um, but no, it doesn't fix it. Uh, it uh, the problem is still there, despite the you know dropping the the weight of of that part, the problem persists. Yeah, it was quite uh, interesting <laughs> to follow along with Federico on Twitter yesterday because he a, seemed like an emotional so arc. excited. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> and then so sad. It reminded me of the comedy and the tragedy masks, which I found mm. out are uh, also known as Sock and Buskin, which I did not know until really? I looked this up today. Uh, but where it was like, he was so happy and then immediately so sad. Yeah, uh, Federico, I would love you to give that kind of whole arc to the connected audience of why were you happy about what Apple did and then why are you sad? Well, immediately I was happy to see the recognition of of the feedback from the community. And I was happy to see Apple being willing to compromise and saying, okay, and saying, okay, uh, we hear your feedback. We know that you really want to use Stage Manager on your older iPad. So how about this? We don't give you external display support. We give you single screen Stage Manager and you can use it on the 2018 and 2020 iPad Pros. I liked that immediately. I thought that's a good sign. That's a company that's willing to listen. Um, and I understand. And, and, and also right away, I felt optimistic. Uh, because of the removal of the external display support, which has been, frankly, unusable, right? And I wrote about this in July. I, I have been extremely skeptical of all these folks who have done videos on YouTube showing, hey, Stage Manager is perfect on my external display, where they're basically showing like a static screen for 20 minutes. Like, yeah, if you leave an app running on an external display and you, and you don't touch it and you don't move anything, it's not going to crash. But the moment you try to work with it, oh, it's going to crash. <laughs> so those videos were funny. And so immediately I felt um, happy to see a company willing to compromise and and optimistic uh, about, you know, maybe this is the time they're figuring this out. So I installed the beta and, you know, I, I thought, okay, it's, maybe there's going to be more fixes. There's going to be more, you know, Im improvements on this front. Things are maybe pointing in the right direction. I started using it. For the first 30 minutes or 40 minutes or something, it was totally fine, right? Totally okay. No crashes, um, no problems. And when I say problems, I mean of the technical nature. We can get into the problems of the design nature later. I mean, strictly technically speaking, no problems, no crashes, uh, no weird black bars, nothing. And so... Okay, I'm thinking, this is great, this is nice. Apple is listening, they are changing their minds on this, the thing is not crashing for me. Maybe this is the beginning of um, an improvement. You know, maybe they, they are turning the ship around. 
I figured, you know, as maybe finally I tweeted this, maybe finally I can sit down and and write this iPadOS 16 review and write about Stage Manager. And the moment I started using it for real, quote-unquote, real work, that's where the problems uh, reappeared again. Um, and once again, I felt like in the span of just a few hours, um, this is like living the worst nerd version of Groundhog Day ever. Like, in just in a matter of hours, I was right there where I started. Meaning, I click an icon in the dock and my iPad reboots. Or I, I click a link to open a web page in Safari and my iPad reboots. And, and so I was like, okay, here we go again. It's crashing every few minutes. And, and I try to use drag and drop to drag in a window because they still don't have a, a proper shift-click behavior to add an app from the dock to your current workspace. So I'm using drag and drop. I use drag and drop, and instead of seeing my app, I see a black rectangle. Like, okay, here it goes again, this bug as well. <laughs> so it's, I'm like, okay, here we go. The whole team is here. The crashing, the black box, everything is here once again. But then a new enemy appeared, so to speak. That enemy being the trackpad or you know the fact that when you switch when you move between windows and i'm struggling to describe this because this is like the uh, weirdest bug ever for a windowing system you would expect in a windowing system to well take the pointer from one window to another right so you click on Safari, you interact with Safari. You, Notes is floating right next, to, right next to Safari. You click on Notes, you work with Notes. That's exactly what people do with their computers. It's the point of a windowing system. It's the whole point yes. of it. Like you move the cursor, you click on Windows, you work with those windows. In the latest version <laughs> of iPadOS 16, <laughs> and I'm getting there, but I need to set uh, the proverbial stage for this. Um, in the... <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I'm good with words, yes. In the, in the latest version of iPadOS 16, I noticed that when I moved the pointer from one window to another, in the other window, my clicks would not get recognized. Like I would click so the to new the window. new window. So you're in Safari. Let's say I have Safari and notes. notes. I move to Notes, I start clicking yeah. around, and the clicks do nothing. Right. And initially I thought, well, uh, something is wrong with my Magic Keyboard. So I do one of those things that, you know, folks do often, like, uh, let me detach and reattach my Magic Keyboard because maybe something mm -hmm. got stuck. And nothing. I'm moving between windows, and when I move again, I click, and the other window does not respond to my clicks. And so I'm like, well, um, let me reboot my iPad. So I shut it down, and I power it on again. Open Stage Manager, two windows move between them, the clicks go nowhere. Until I realize that those there's a, this bug in this version of Stage Manager, which is now in public beta as of an hour ago. So everybody can go in and test it. Oh, um, oh good, good. <laughs> yeah, go there and test it. Um, clicks get the, the trackpad. So this only happens with the trackpad or, you know, the accessory that Apple sells you with an iPad Pro. Um, clicks get stuck when you move between windows. 
if you want to get it unstuck, you need to click the edges of a window or the three-dot multitasking menu at the top of a window. Doing that will unstuck the window so your clicks will work again. So effectively interacting with either the resizing yes. the resizing system in some way. Yes. And is this a does this happen 100% of the time for you? 100% of the time. And so I thought it was so wild. I I couldn't believe it. Like I couldn't believe that they would ship a bug so bad that it would happen, right? I thought something was wrong on my end. So out of sheer precaution and just to make sure that I would have a proper response to the people, to the you know rep, the reply guys on Twitter, would say, oh, but if you, it's your iPad. Some, reason, recently, someone told me that the problems I have with Stage Manager are due to the fact that my iPad is overloaded. Um, yeah, someone told me that. Steven used to do to 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 cyberbully me with this, telling me to restore my phone. This was a thing. Yeah, so because I remember, because I know that you know, I can get behind that argument. I've been using this iPad Pro for a bunch of weird things. Insert base sixty four joke here. Uh, I've been running a bunch of betas. It's a fair argument. So I <laughs> wiped my iPad Pro. Not even the erase all contents and settings. I'm talking DFU mode. All right, straight up DFU mode, downloaded the software image from the Apple developer website, restored my iPad Pro without a backup, nothing, nothing, fresh iPad Pro. I go in, enable stage manager, open two windows, click between them, my clicks got stuck. (laughs) So uh, that's when I gave up. Yeah, that's the moment when I was like, "I'm, I'm giving up here. I'm done. Like, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say I think we are in the worst timeline for Stage Manager. Apple prioritized the wrong thing, and I was worried they would do this, and they've done it. In my opinion, <laughs> they have wasted the last two to three months doing the work to make sure that this will be enabled on the older iPad Pros and not getting it to a stage where it is reliable on the M1 iPad Pros. Mm. I feel like what they should have done is made this statement, but said it will come in 2023 for other iPad Pros and spend this time making Stage Manager not even just better. Like we've been talking about a lot of like better, but it's clearly as, you know, Federico is running into untold problems, right? Like I just, I feel like they've prioritized the wrong thing. I know that Federico, you are happy about the fact that they listen to the community. I was away on the episode where you guys spoke about this, mm-hmm. and it was a great episode. But at that time, I would have said no. <laughs> they have to like they they you did they did not need to ship Stage Manager at the same time on all devices if they had to do it at all. I know why it annoys people. I get it, right? Like. You want to be able to use this feature on this device, which otherwise runs fine. But like, this happens all the time, right? Like, this just this is just the way that technology moves, and you can ask for it. And if they give you it, they give you it. But now they have, I think, made the wrong decision because I think they have clearly spent a lot of time working on this because this is the first we've heard about this. 
right? Like, all of a sudden, now, like, three months after an initial release, three months after the outrage, where Apple said time and time again why they couldn't do this, they've now said, LOL, JK, we've done it, right? So it feels like they have had to obviously put a lot of work into making a version of this that can run on their other hardware, even in a somewhat limited space. But I think for most people, they don't actually really want the external display support anyway. Like, I think Stage Manager is at its best just like being a windowing system on the iPad. I think like that is what it should focus on most. And then the external display support is like nice if you have it, nice if you want to use it, et cetera, et cetera. But like that is really, I think, like stage manager is already a thin side of the wedge. Like external display support for your iPad is an even thinner wedge, right? Like we're just like really going on like percentage of percentage mm-hmm. of people at that point. Mm-hmm. But if we've gotten to this point and I mean, we are anywhere between two to four weeks in theory of this thing shipping on an ideal timeline, right? It just doesn't seem like it is in any kind of state because you're you're, there are new bugs and they haven't addressed any of the things that you want to make the thing better. Yeah, yeah, Um, yes. So What this isn't like is like Safari, right? I think a lot of people are going to compare this to Safari and and people are going to say, oh, they changed to Safari, right? But they changed Safari in good ways and went made Safari from bad to good, where all they've done like for this one is just they've just made it available on more devices, but it's still got all the problems it had at the beginning. Potentially widening the user base of you know folks who are gonna run into problems. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, more people, more people get the bugs. Yeah, there's now more people that will be upset. <laughs> and with Safari, it took a couple of betas, but then we saw pretty good progress exactly exactly so that's where i wanted to go so mike you said that i was happy about you know having be extended to more users and and yes initially i was but then this morning you know after sleeping on this i was thinking like i'm happy that they listened but then i went back in and checked uh we talked about this stuff on june 15th (laughs) <laughs> three more than three months ago three and a half months ago and and we're seeing this change now and so that first of all says a few things about how slow moving this ship really is right i mean we are seeing now addressing feedback from three and a half months ago i'm not sure how i feel about that but even and even then, like they have, so they have removed half of Stage Manager, right? And now I got a, I'm I'm wondering like, who's happy now? Because because people like me, we wanted stability, we wanted um, a bit more um, configuration options, like a bit more flexibility from Stage Manager and polish, and we didn't get that. Other folks wanted external display support, and I I know, I have seen some Mac Stories readers tell me I upgraded my old iPad Pro to to the M1 because of Stage Manager, and now it's useless. And so those people are not happy. And because it's been three and a half months, right? It's been a, it's been a, 
people make decisions in three and a half months. It's been a, it's a long time in in this day and age. I would say like I know what you're saying about like the the, the length of time it takes for the ship for the ship to turn. And I understand what you're saying that of like if they make a decision, how long does it take to act on it? The one thing I would add to that is we don't really know just how truly big or small a job it was to actually even get this to a point where they were willing to say exactly, they were going to do it. Exactly. It may have taken like completely redoing the thing. Exactly. So this is this is my problem, because like we've been talking about this, um, and the reason I keep talking about it is that obviously I really want to use this. And I, if this was something that I didn't care about, I wouldn't talk about it, like uh, Apple News. I mean, no offense to who works on Apple News, but I personally don't use the product. I don't have a lot of emotions and feelings about it. I really want to use Stage Manager, and I can tell you, it's made for you. Maybe, right? Um, but I feel like I, I cannot imagine how much time and effort and like people working overtime has gone into making this possible where the this continues to be a product that when you use your trackpad it doesn't accept your clicks like all that time and effort for this and you look at what this actually is and you start to wonder was it worth it and to me, this is like such a perfect example of the, fal- the, the fallacy of sunk cost. This, uh, you know, this economic principle where like, uh, you know, basically invested so much into a thing that you don't want to give it up. Whereas the more sage advice would be to cut your losses, right? And, and Apple is not doing that. They are continuing to insist on, no, we are doing stage manager, even though, but, but, but like you start picking off the things, right? Okay, so now we are, uh, we said we wouldn't do it on more iPads. We are doing it on more iPads, but it's not... Um, it's not ready yet, okay, so we are going to delay it. Uh, it's still not working well. What if we cut the external display support? At what, at what point do you end up with something that doesn't even resemble what Stage Manager was supposed to be? Like, I think Apple needs to take a long breath here and be like, okay, seriously, d- do we absolutely need to ship this? by October? Like, is it absolutely necessary? Because I continue to ask the question that I asked last week and two weeks ago. Who is happy about Stage Manager on iPadOS at the moment? Like, I, I, I want to know. Who's happy about it? Like, who, is there anyone who loves it? And I don't understand because it's... I continue... To, look, I'm, I'm never going to be the person who loses hope and it's like... I'm going to stop using the iPad. I quit. I'm done. Like I, I, it's just not who I am. Um, so I continue to hope that Apple can figure this out. But then, you know, that continuing to hope is, you know, just not backed up by reality at the moment. Because as time goes on, week after week, each week is more problematic than before. I mean, let's face it, each week it gets worse. And I'm not, I, I'm not saying this to be a, an Apple hater or like, I want to use this thing. Like, I want to work with it. I want to use it. I want to write about it. Because when it worked, it was cool to have three, four apps at the same time. But let's face it, each week it gets worse. 
how do we get out of this hole? And I said two weeks ago, and I said it last week again, they're, digging, they're only digging a deeper hole each week. And that continues to be more true every single week. It gets worse on a weekly basis. And, it, and it's not like it gets worse, but you can see, oh, but they're doing this to make it better. No, they're cutting off things and it continues to get worse. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not to mention all the things that stage manager does not have or does not do by design. Like, we haven't even touched upon the design of stage manager. That's a whole different thing. I'm talking about this product that Apple gave to us. We're looking at it as it is, you know, at, you know, just look at what this is. Because we could talk about the design of stage manager, how I would like to see different decisions being made. There's a conversation to be had about do we really need do we really need overlapping windows on an iPad as opposed to a tiling mechanism? Like, but that's a different conversation. Let's just talk about the product, right? And and it's just not there. Not for people like me, not for folks who wanted external display support at this point. So who is it for? And can it find market within two weeks three weeks i also find it interesting like apple knows what build is going to go out as a beta Mm -hmm. right it's not a surprise and like oh that one that's what people are running and the current version being so like in some ways maybe the most broken version we've had in a while i just so much about it makes me scratch my head about what's going on with this feature and is it something inherently broken like that in, in the way that this is being built that they can't quickly fix it, right? Is there some sort of technical or technical debt or some sort of legacy something or other that is holding them back? Because it's not like the people working on this aren't some of the smartest software engineers in the world, but they seem to really be struggling to get this even close to where it needs to be. Yeah, yeah. And, like, and I know for a fact that there are a lot of really, really, like really smart people working on this stuff who listen to Connected, who listen to Upgrade, right? Who who follow our work and listen to our opinions. And obviously, we, from here, in, in front of our microphones, we have no idea what it's like to work on this stuff, right? We have no idea about timelines, deadlines, product managers these folks are optimizing this stuff for future hardware we have no idea about the future hardware but we are customers and we use the product that is given to us and i think maybe apple doesn't like it when when their stuff is criticized i mean nobody likes a critic right um especially when you're the one making the product. But critics are necessary because in this case, I think ultimately Apple will be happy to have a better product, right? Yeah. That's that's why we talk about this stuff because... I mean, if they hated critics that much, they wouldn't have enabled it for third and fourth gen. Exactly, like iPads. It's the only reason they did it was because people were and upset about it. And to be fair, they, they do listen. They ask questions. They, they have been more proactive in reaching out to 
the press and the community over the past few years. It's no, it's it's a very different apple from that point of view from say ten years ago, thirteen years ago when I started Mac Stories, and it's they really want to have a conversation about this stuff, which is great. But then, look at the results. If they're not there, I'm sorry, but they're not there, and this is where we are. I mean, look, we can only comment on what we can comment on, right? And what we can comment on is what we can see, and what we can see is that this thing is not good enough right now. But who knows what the next month might bring? There might be like, all right, look, we got all these fixes, but we had to get this version out first and then we can... I'm like, great. Nobody wants to be like, not necessarily proven wrong, but nobody wants to have to walk all this back and say like, hey, they fixed it more than us three. Yes. Right? Because we just want this to be good. I'll tell you right now, like I think people might listen to some of these shows sometimes and think, oh, these guys just love to complain. I much prefer to be happy. <laughs> I'll tell you right now. <laughs> I much prefer to sit here and say to you how much I love something because I am an enthusiastic yep. person. It's what I draw pleasure in. But uh, but if we, you know, we if we take our job seriously of like we talk about these things, sometimes it needs to be saying this isn't good enough. And like to echo what Federico was saying, I'm sure there are people that listen to this show. There might be people that listen to this show right now who work on this project. And my expectation is well you know though right like like you don't want this to be doing what federico is describing it's doing no surely so not. like i don't feel like bad that we talk about this i'm sure it like if you work on it, it's frustrating to you but we're not the ones <laughs> making the frustration like it's doing like, this thing. Look, mm -hmm. yeah like, well like uh, we're not making this up like and and i try i tried all the potential ways that i had to to make this work for me and it, and it's and it's not but i think that there is a management dis error that has been made in the development of stage manager during the beta process probably and so i feel honestly feel for some of the engineers because i'm sure that they have had their development focus changed and i think that it was the wrong decision Unless, unless a bunch of stuff starts coming out in the next couple of weeks. Look, and I'm still hoping, right? Still, maybe the next yeah. one. Maybe yeah. maybe we'll get it yeah. this time. Um, but the, the, the one final thing I want to say is that at the moment, I feel, I got to be honest with you guys and, and with the listeners. I honestly feel like all this kind of iPad energy has been sucked out of me like i <laughs> i feel exhausted for this stuff and i i i'm again in the spirit of honesty i have no plan for my iPadOS 16 review at the moment like i i'm i've been waiting for like oh surely this afternoon inspiration will strike and i'll you know i'll start writing I'm not saying that I have writer's block because I don't because I I because I'm like I I just wrote something on Mac stories today I've been writing for weekly I just above this specifically I don't know what I think because I feel like I haven't been put in a position to think and to to understand to form an opinion right so I've been trying to distract myself I guess uh testing apps writing about shortcuts uh, I'm gonna have a 
a notes themed week on Mac Stories. I wrote about notes in Mac, on Mac Stories today. I'm going to write about notes in the monthly log. I'm going to write about notes in Mac Stories weekly. I've been trying to do other things. I've been playing Cyberpunk on my gaming PC. I have no idea. Honestly, like I have no idea what I'm going to do with this iPadOS review because I feel like there's one mm-hmm. big feature and I could write about it now, but what are the odds that what I write will be completely different in two weeks? Will it be worth it? How can I pre-write something that is on such a shaky foundation on a weekly basis? I don't think you can write about it until... Like, I don't think you should even start. Like, I think you should wait for another couple of weeks. You see if it changes. If it doesn't, I mean, what's... The, but then if, if I'm late, everybody's going to be like, point. oh, where's your review, iPad guy? Well, it's just like, well, I don't think there's anything you can do. Yeah, well. Like, it's point. I feel like it's pointless to start writing it now, right? Because anything can happen in the next few weeks. You have to start all over again. But, like, imagine if I started writing this and I, and I wrote about external display support. Like, imagine all the work that, yes. it, that it would have deleted. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that there's still too much instability for you to even begin. And so maybe it just comes late, and it just comes late, maybe and that's it's it. What like it is, yeah. basically, what happened with iOS uh, fifteen? 14. Or whatever, yeah, you know? fourteen. I think it was yeah. fourteen. It just comes when it comes, you know. Yeah. Well. Um, uh, yeah, I think that's uh, that's what I gotta do. Um, because I feel like it would be it would be pretty dishonest to actually to have a review of Stage Manager, and I've only used it for two days. Like. I mean, you can go look for that kind of content elsewhere. I'm sure there will be plenty of uh, hands-on and things like that. Uh, it's not what I like to do, personally. Um, so I'm waiting for, like, like I feel like the guy waiting there be like, is this my chance? Is this my chance? Is this my chance now? And every week I'm like, nope, nope, nope. Um, so, hey, maybe next Tuesday, right? Maybe next Tuesday it'll, it'll be better. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. In the meantime, if you want to find links to stuff we spoke about, head on over to the website, relay.fm slash connected slash 417. We also urge you, if you have not donated yet, go to stjude.org slash relay. Uh, Go donate. The campaign winds down the end of this week. You can find us all online. You can find Mike on Twitter as I-M-Y-K-E. Mike hosts a bunch of other shows here on Relay FM. Find Federico at MacStories.net and on Twitter at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. You can follow me online as ISMH, and I write over at 512pixels.net. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Rogue Amoeba, Indeed, and Text Expander. Until next week, guys, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Cheerio. Bye, y'all.